This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and I'm joined by Katie Bulls and Isabel Hardman. Rishi Sunak has done a mini reshuffle this morning. Katie, tell us about it. Yes, so news began to break of this overnight. Um, the small government saying something big is happening today. It turns out that is a mini reshuffle. But I think probably the the larger scale part is the fact that Yes, ministers are changing positions, but this is part of a restructuring of Whitehall. Now, usually you would expect, you know, new departments moving around Whitehall to happen probably early on in a government term. Not something you do 18 months before an election when it's pretty hard to, you know, lots of officials and civil servants will say, this takes so much energy sometimes to do these revamps get people arguing about you know who has what desk and what bill it can get as petty as that that it it can be quite a distraction but I think what's interesting I mean Rishi Sunak obviously didn't have the alternative of doing it at the beginning of a government term because he's only just marking 100 days and this restructuring I think is trying to focus it closer to his priorities so you have a new department for energy security and net zero and that's taking the E out of base that relates to the five priorities because I think energy security and obviously we know what a big impact energy is having on household bills this is looking at that that means that you then have a department for business what's left of Bayes goes and meets with international trade so that's business and trade department and that's going to be led by Kemi Badenoch who was the international trade secretary the energy department will be led by Grant Shapps who was the business secretary hope uh, everyone is following and then you also have culture media and sport as a department and that's really taking out the digital element and that's going to be led by Lucy Fraser I think the the, de- the new department which I think is the the most interesting to what we might call Sunakism is the Department for Science, Innovation and Technology. And we know that when Rishi Sunak is trying to carve out what perhaps, when you don't really have a mandate from the members, let alone the public, what he's going to do in his, what could be a very short premiership if we believe the opinion polls, how he's going to make his mark, education, and then science are the things that come up, uh, science and innovation. And I think this department is something he's wanted to do for a long time. Uh, and that will be led by Michelle Donnellan, who was the culture secretary. And a final point, we now finally have a party chairman um, after Nadim Sahari left, and that is Greg Hans. And I think his appointment, and perhaps we can go in a bit more detail on this later in the podcast, is a sign that I think they are opting for a safe I'm about to make a pun, I didn't even mean a safe pair of hands um, <laughs> option as opposed for, for going for someone who might perhaps be more of a grassroots favourite. Isabel, what did you make of the reshuffle? And as Katie says, this science, technology and innovation department seems very important to Rishi Sunak. The Times have reported that his first choice perhaps was Michael Gove for this role. Yeah, and isn't that a fascinating reflection of what his priorities are more widely, that he wanted to move Michael Gove from levelling up, which is supposed to be a Tory priority, um, to doing the, as Katie explained, the science brief, um, which is so personally important to Rishi Sunak. I think there's also, um, it's interesting to be doing, as Katie said, a reshuffle of, of different, you know, the shape of government, this close to a general election. But it's also 
why these departments and not other ones? So over the past few years, I think it's become pretty obvious that the Home Office is, if not unfit for purpose, then possibly too big to succeed. It's got such a big, wide diversity of different portfolios and priorities, very important priorities. So there's policing, but there's also immigration, there's violence against women and girls, there's drugs policy, there's antisocial behaviour. Obviously, some of those bleed into one another. But immigration is the thing that Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, is is very focused on at the expense of some of those other areas that take a lot longer for decisions to be made on. And as we've seen with the you know, the, the sentencing of um, uh, the, the Met Police rapist David Carrick today, there were a number of opportunities that were missed um, to stop him. And something that opposition MPs have been raising repeatedly is that actually there have been a number of opportunities for the government over the past few years to change regulations to make it easier for chief constables to suspend or sack officers who've been accused of or found guilty of serious misconduct or indeed criminal activity. And the implication there is that the Home Office is just too busy in terms of political priorities with the immigration side of things rather than crime. So why not, as Boris Johnson did consider doing, break up the Home Office. So you've got a immigration and borders department and then a you know a, a home office a department that covers policing and, and crime and so on. That would be one question. Another question is, is this upheaval actually going to subside in time for there to be anything to show by the next election? Reorganisations take a lot of energy and focus away from departments. So what's Rishi Sunak's definition of success, I think, is, is going to be really interesting. How does how is what's he going to be asking ministers and officials to have to show for their new roles uh, within 12 months time for instance and finally i think another point that's really important to make is that this is not the only reshuffle we are likely to have in the next few months dominic raab who obviously says that he's done nothing wrong is under investigation for a number of different allegations of bullying of officials again he denies all of these allegations but there is a report that will come out that he may end up having to leave government for. And that would mean another reshuffle. So why have two sets of upheaval rather than just one uh, at that point? Um, Partly it's Rishi Sunak trying to show that he has confidence in in Dominic Raab rather than sort of delaying everything around what would then be seen as, as, as his inevitable sacking. I think it's partly also, and Katie's too modest to say this herself, because of the Spectator's Liz Truss interview, actually. I think the timing has has really been influenced by the fact that a former Prime Minister has surfaced to cause trouble for um, Rishi Sunak. The question then is, well, is this reshuffle the answer to that? I mean, yes, it, you know, shifts the focus of Westminster onto the rearranging of the desk chairs rather than interviews by a former Prime Minister... But actually, the most potent bit of the trust intervention is where she complains about the lack of an argument for growth, the lack of people making pro-growth arguments on the right within the Conservative Party. And that's what Conservative MPs have picked up. This reshuffle, you know, you might say, well, the, the focus on science is all about growth. Sure, but that's not really how Conservative MPs interpret it. They're worried about tax, the tax burden. Yeah. On the Michael Gove point, I think what's really interesting is so... 
Steve Swinford from the Times editor who tweeted the news that Michael Gove uh, was offered it and then clearly Downing Street tried to or someone in government has tried to row back or dilute the story a bit and they said um, no it's courtesy because it's a more senior position and and you do just think does that help yeah where Tory MPs right now which is quite worried about the leveling up agenda some of it fair, some of it not so fair. Rishi Sunak has been inherited of a concept that's very hard to define. I think the last thing you want to be do be doing is almost giving any indication, particularly one that clear that, that you see science and innovation as, as more important than what many MPs, particularly from the 2019 intake, believe is quite critical to them having any chance of retaining their seat. Katie, if in the long term, then this signals um, Rishi Sunak's priorities, wanting to put science and technology ahead of levelling up, perhaps. What do you think it does for him in the short term? Does it help him politically? Does it, how do Tory MPs feel about this? I think there's a mix, to be honest. I think there is some scepticism about the wisdom of doing it so soon to the next election, as, as we talked about. I think there is a desire, though, that the government just should look as though it's doing something. And one of the problems Rishi Sunak has is he and his government, Michael Gove, who... Um, will stay on as levelling up secretary, have spoken about the need to take the drama out of politics. And therefore, uh, you know, Michael Gove gave that speech where he said, you know, uh, we want to make everything as as boring as possible. So sorry, journalists. And that's the attitude that I think has felt well across government. Often said to you, oh, you know, we need to take the hysteria. Obviously, it's pretty hard to top a year in terms of political drama in which the Tory party ousted two leaders but I do think it's almost sometimes it feels like Rishi Sunak is running number 10 a bit more like the treasury so they have a big announcement and they put lots of work into it and then between them everything should be a little bit quieter I think today's announcement some MPs will like as a sign that he has taking action I think the issue is pointing to the Liz Truss interview and others the fact that he has two predecessors who are quite willing to make a lot of noise does just mean they can fill the vacuum if there was is one left by Downing Street and I think on the today's shake-up it's notable they haven't sacked a single person so no one has lost a job in this reshuffle which I think points to the uh, how Rishi Sunak really doesn't want to you know make any more enemies in terms of party management it points to I think the government doing something which MPs can like but I think there's a question about what suggested priorities and also has this been put forward or, or you know is this is this a riposte to some of the other drama because that's just going to keep coming back. Isabel, the one post that Rishi Sunak did have to fill was that left by Nadim Zahawi as, as Conservative Party chairman. He's put Greg Hands in his place, who's a Remain backing London MP. What do you think that says, if it says anything, about what Rishi Sunak's priorities will be going into the next election? Yeah, so obviously being a, a London MP is, is possibly a disadvantage when you've got... Uh, Red Wall MPs who are very anxious, who indeed were, were asking for a minister for the North, which um, currently we, we have no answer to from the government. Greg Hans also has a very big majority, which some MPs who I've spoken to this morning say will count against him in terms of reassuring, particularly you know, 2019 MPs representing seats that, that are not traditionally conservative. He is, though, he's very well liked. He's also very, very tribal. I mean... I don't think I've come across a politician other than perhaps George Osborne who could genuinely look at anything, whether it is a bin liner or a announcement by the opposition, you know, something anodyne or something quite obvious and see a political opportunity in everything. He is someone who is, is always looking for opportunities for partisanship and that's, you know, the perfect instincts for 
uh, a Tory chair job. And he's he's got a hell of a job because CCHQ is, is still in quite a mess. It lost a lot of staff after Boris Johnson um, left Downing Street. And it's natural. It's at that natural point in the cycle where it has been denuded of staff because there hasn't been an election. Now we're heading for an election. So it's going to have to, to sort of restock and uh, regain a sense of mission. I also think that the party more widely, particularly in Parliament, doesn't have very much tribal energy at the moment. That's partly because Rishi Sunak is not someone with whom you associate the phrase tribal energy. He's not a particularly sort of political partisan character. And, you know, that's just who he is. But but he could probably do with having a little bit more team spirit behind him on the back benches. So I, I wonder whether Greg Hans will also get quite into that because that's that's very much the kind of thing he enjoys. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening.